0: Welcome to the Southside Sermons Podcast. I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church, located in Decatur, Alabama. This message you're about to hear is from God's Word and is offered to you with this prayer that God would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey His Word. May your faith be strengthened in Jesus and may you grow in your knowledge of Him. Joshua chapter 24 is very similar to Joshua chapter 23, which we looked at last week. But there are two significant differences that we should take notice of. Joshua once again gathers all the tribes of Israel together as he did in chapter 23. But this time, the text tells us where he gathers them together. At Shechem, verse 1 says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. That's something that we weren't told in chapter 23. And he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. Shechem was a city located in a valley of Samaria, with Mount Ebal to its north and Mount Gerizim to its south. Geographically, it stands as a place of choosing, a visual illustration to the blessings and cursings associated with God's covenant. If the people look south to Mount Gerizim, they would recall the blessings of God if they obey the Lord's commandments. If the people look north to Mount Ebal, they would recall the cursings of God. If they do not obey the commandments of the Lord, but turn aside from God's ways to go after other gods that they do not know. Historically, Shechem was the place where Jacob had once instructed his own household to purge all foreign gods from their midst. Genesis 35, 4 says, So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. Shechem is a place of choosing that is associated with the forsaking of idols and being faithful to God. Therefore, Shechem is the perfect location for a covenant renewal here at the end of Joshua. As I was preparing for divinity school, one of the long time and well-respected professors gave my incoming class this advice for studying to help us succeed. He suggested that we not study every subject in the same place. Instead, he suggested that we set aside different places to study each subject. Church history in the library, Greek in the study carols, spiritual formation in the commons, biblical interpretation at the kitchen table. He suggested that every time we need to study that specific subject, we return to that same place. And by doing so, we will remember everything that we learn in that subject through the power of association. We will better recall everything we have learned in that one subject because we studied everything in that subject in the same place. For many, this building, this sanctuary, serves as such a place in your spiritual journey, a place with many memories of mentorships, friendships. Perhaps you walked one of these aisles to say, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Maybe you were baptized in this baptistry or married on this platform. Maybe you recall the sounds of the choir or the voice of a preacher that helped you to hear God's word and understand it and walk in it. For you, every Sunday, as you enter this space is an association for your life with God once again. You call to mind your spiritual journey and renew your faith to get you through just one more week. This is what is happening for Israel here at the end of Joshua. They would know when summoned to Shechem that a covenant renewal is about to take place. Now something else sets apart chapter 24 from chapter 3. It's not just the mention of location. In chapter 23, the summoned leaders are presented before Joshua. And Joshua speaks about himself. In chapter 24, the summoned leaders are presented before God. And when Joshua speaks, he speaks with these words. Thus says the Lord. Look with me at Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 and then 2 again. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. The speech in chapter 23 represents for Israel the importance of their God-appointed leader, the human instrument God used to guide them with strength and courage into God's promises for them, the leader who was responsible for leading them in repentance when they sinned against God. You remember Ai? The leader who had led them by faith into battle against innumerable armies. The leader who divided for them an inheritance and gave them a portion in the Lord. The leader who instructed them with God's word for how they are to live and love God in the land. Joshua's testimony and final instructions mattered. His legacy matters. But chapter 24 represents for Israel that while they answered to their human leader who was appointed by God to lead them, they ultimately must answer to God himself. Standing before God, presented before him, they hear from God. Thus saith the Lord. Every one of us must remember our spiritual leaders who spoke to us the word of God. Hebrews 13 7 says that we're to consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. We're to obey our leaders and submit to them for their keeping watch over our souls as those who will give account. That's Hebrews 13:17. We are to pray for our leaders, Hebrews 13:18. But never forget. That we all must answer to God Himself. There's coming a day when we all will stand before Him, of whom it is said, nothing is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Keep this in mind as we hear Joshua 24, verses 2 through 5. Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. I've titled this preaching series, Through Joshua, Moving In... Because God did not only bring his people out of Egypt, but he also brought them in to the land that he promised to give them. And God gave them that land. Look with me down at verse 12. The Lord says, it was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Joshua did not do those things. God did. Foreign gods did not do those things for them. The Lord, the great I Am, did. Then in verse 14, there is a shifting in the text. Indicatives, which are statements about The reality, what is, turn into imperatives, which are commands. This is what you must do. The voice of Joshua is heard again with commands for the people. Verse 14 begins in this way. Now, therefore, in other words, because of all that God has done, fear the Lord. This first command is to fear the Lord. Now, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to respect him, to revere him, to stand in awe of him. But even in this context, the word fear does not lose its sense of terror. Fearing God is what it means to live in submission to him knowing that we are accountable ultimately to him and him alone for every thought, every word, every deed that he sees and knows. Living in light of COVID-19 has taught us something about this kind of fear. It helps us to understand what it means to fear God. As we leave our homes, COVID-19 is always on our minds we know the virus is out there, even though we cannot see it. It affects how we live and move. And as I'm looking out at it, you all now with a mask on, it even affects how we breathe. We put a mask on and we take our temperature and we wash our hands to make sure that we're living by the guidelines that this virus has imposed upon us. We cannot see this virus, but yet we know it's there, and we even fear getting it because of the destruction it might cause to us or someone else. We live with a fear of COVID-19. What if we lived with a fear of God in that way, knowing that God is invisible but always near? As we put a mask on, can we think about what it means to put on the armor of God and why it is we need to do that? When we read the ever-evolving guidelines for living in a pandemic, will we think about reading God's eternal, unchanging word to obey it? When we take our temperature, will we think of our love not only for God but also our neighbor, the summary of the two Great commandments. When we fear a cough or a fever, will we remember that God is holy and God is just and that God is our consuming fire, that He is also to be feared? Fearing God says more about who God is than what we are to do. God is to be feared because God exists. And God is living. And God is powerful and almighty, as we sung a moment ago. And God is holy. He's unique. He's not like other gods. To treat the Lord with so little concern does have damning consequences. Based on all that God has revealed about himself and all that God has done for his people, Joshua's first command is to fear the Lord. His second command is to serve him. And then he spends the rest of the chapter explaining what that means. Verse 14 says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Fear and serve. Those are the two commands. We can serve God without fearing God, but we cannot fear God and not serve Him. Let me say that again. We can serve God without fearing God. We could give lip service to Him, but we cannot fear God and not serve Him. A fear of God moves us to serve God. Jesus said this to a group of Pharisees and scribes that had gathered in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. To serve God means to worship God, but here the word is used, uh, this word serve is used in the same way that is describing the duties of priests in other parts of the scriptures. This kind of worship and service is such that belongs to God exclusively. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tested by the devil, Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him. Do you remember what he said? It is written... You shall worship the Lord your God. And did Jesus stop there? He said what? And him only shall you serve. That's the same word serve in connection with worship to help us understand that this belongs only to God. Church, if we fear God, we will never offer to another what belongs to God alone. All authority... All glory, all worship belongs to God alone. We should never put God and anything in the same line. Because that word and equates whatever it is with God. And there is no equating anything with God. God stands above it all, alone. The God of heaven is not a God and. He's not an option for us to just choose. He is God and there is no other. And he alone is to be served. Verse 14 again says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Sincerity is a word that means free of blemish. It was the same word used to describe the sacrificial lambs. That were white and pure without spot or stain. Our worship of God today must be the same, unblemished, unobjectionable. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Our worship is not sincere when we have sinned against our brothers and sisters and then we come into the sanctuary of God without having made it right with them. Faithfulness means with truth and reliability. Sincerity is unblemished, faithfulness with truth and reliability. We worship God not according to our own visions of worship, but according to God's revelation of worship, meaning God's word tells us how to worship God's way. This is what Joshua is telling the people. And then Joshua gives a third command. It's at the latter part of verse 14. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Serve him without reservation. Joshua tells the people to put away, that's the command, remove the gods, the idols that their fathers served beyond the river. Now think with me for a moment. Why would he have to say that? And the answer is, the people still had those idols with them. Maybe they kept them because they were fashioned from valuable metals and materials and had a value to them. Maybe they had no intent on serving those idols but thought it was an unwise thing to destroy something that had so much material value if it was made of gold or silver. But that sin crouching at the door, that is all the foothold the devil needs in a moment of weakness. And so the command is remove them. Clear them away. Get rid of them. For what is that value compared to the value of your soul? If your TV causes you to sin, get rid of it. If your money causes you to sin, get rid of it. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body, Go into hell. Get rid of these things because if you don't, you will end up serving them. Everyone will serve something. You can write that down. Everyone will serve something. No one serves nothing. Joshua shows the people this. Look at verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord... Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. So you can serve him or you can choose another. Many of us in our homes will have something by the entranceway of our door that says that same phrase, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Some versions of that include the phrase immediately preceding that, and it'll say this, choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that has led many people to think, I have a choice to make today, and my choice is to serve God. I'm going to show you in the scriptures that that's wrong. When Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve, did you notice something in the text? The Lord God Almighty is not one of the options. God's not one of the choices. Look with me again. Verse 15, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. And here's the menu. Pick one. The gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But the choice does not include God. While the people are hearing this, they are in the valley and they see those two mountains, Mount Ebal of cursings, Mount Gerizim of blessings, and they realize how the entirety of their life depends on their choice. But Joshua tells them, no, 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 no. If you choose, you lose. The Lord is not a God to be chosen. He alone is God, and he is to be served. God is unlike any other. He's one of a kind. He's unique. He cannot be compared with other gods because there is nothing to compare We cannot choose God as our God because he is God, whether we choose him or not. Isaiah 45 verse five says, "'I am the Lord, and there is no other. "'Besides me there is no God. "'I equip you,' saith the Lord.'" Worshiping God is not like shopping for green beans. When we shop for green beans, We have a lot of choices to make, don't we? Can I hear an amen? Because first you have to choose whether you want them frozen in a bag. And even in the frozen in a bag options, you have the one that you open and cook and the one you stick in the microwave and steam. Which one do you want? Or do I want my green beans in a can? Or do I want them fresh from the garden section? Once you've made that difficult choice, you have to choose what cut of green beans you want from a multitude of cans. And once we've chosen what cut of green beans that we want, we have to choose what brand of that cut that we want. Worshiping God is not like that. God is not even an option on the shelf because he does not allow himself to be equated with other things, with other gods. He is not God and anything. He's not even God or something else. Joshua's response is not, as for me and my house, we will choose the Lord. Joshua's response is instructive for us. It is this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because by Joshua's testimony, the gods beyond the river couldn't bring them through the river, the gods of Canaan weren't victorious in battle. But the Lord brought them in by bringing them through and fighting for them and giving them everything so that they might wholly and fully and totally serve him and him alone. The gospel, we believe, tells us that no other God came to earth as a man. No other God lived without sin, as an unblemished lamb. No other God died on the cross as a sacrifice of atonement for the sin of the world. No other God was buried in a tomb. No other God was raised to life in power. No other God ascended into heaven. No other God sent his spirit to empower all who believe. No other God... Dwells in the heart by faith. No other God will return in power. No other God will save from judgment. No other God will secure for you an eternal inheritance. No other God is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other God but God, who is Father, Son, and and Holy Spirit, the same yesterday, today, and forever, whose person we know and works we see in Jesus Christ, our Joshua. Will you choose him? You can't. He's not for sale. He can't be chosen. With God, it's not a matter of choosing. It's a matter of serving. So I will ask you, will you serve him? The good news says you can in Jesus. Romans 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We are saved by him to serve him. And you may wonder, what are we gonna do when we are in heaven with the Lord? We're going to serve him all our days. I leave you with this. It's our future hope. Revelation chapter seven, verses 13 through 17 says this, and one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him, same word, serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish His purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of His Word. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.